Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phillips to Charteris to Falatau. Tackled by Zarzewski on the 22. This is Phillips! He's going to score a try! Welcome to the Attacking Scrum Rugby World Cup podcast where Welsh rugby matters. Now, there was no game for Wales this weekend, but no shortage of rugby action. Japan snuck a last-minute bonus point to go top of Pool A. England smashed 14-man Argentina. France laboured past Tonga. And even the Dragons got an away win, which, as you know, are as rare as hen's teeth. Joining me to have a look at all of this, plus, of course, looking ahead to Wales' next game versus Fiji, is Dan Killick. Dan, how are you? Good weekend. Very good weekend, yeah. Like the way you got the dragons in there well, in, in in the World Cup special. But I was I was thinking of making a list of major events that have happened. So there's this is the second this is the second World Cup since the Dragons last away win. <laughs> Genuinely, yeah. the last one was April 2015. So you know, you think of everything that's happened in rugby terms since then. We've had Lions tours. We've had you know Stashing. that. That big, uh, that big win at Twickenham in the last World Cup. There's that win against Australia. There's all kinds of things have happened in the world of rugby. Yet alone before we get into Trump and Brexit and everything else. So all of that was, uh, you know, none, none of those things had were even on the on the front of our minds when the Dragons last had an away win. So how about that? But anyway, yeah, we will we'll very quickly touch on uh, Pro 14 at the end. But as you mentioned, it is Rugby World Cup. Edition, so we'll be very much concentrated on that. Before we get underway, though, quick word for our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. This week's early start was for Uruguay versus Australia, and getting up at that time was made considerably easier thanks to So Coffee's Front Five Blend. It's a punchy is, one, isn't which it? Is, yeah, it is. And uh, yeah, very much needed this week. And if you want to do the same, help yourself Help yourself over at socoffeetrades.co.uk. Make those early starts that a little bit easier. And while we're talking of front five, that, of course, is the first part of the show. Five headlines. Me and Dan get to grips with them. Headline number one, Japan take control of Pool A. And I know you're keen to ask the questions this week, Dan, aren't you? 
I am, yeah. Feeling a little bit weary Are after you? being on the bike. Yeah, covered uh, just shy of 50 miles today. Very impressive. Needed. Yeah. Because Wales haven't got a game. Yep. Just to keep... Keep, keep you occupied. Stop going stir-crazy. That's it, yeah. So Asking but, the kids and your little girls about who should play in the back row and things like that. Yeah, they've given some quite good answers, actually. Better than mine, but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure no yeah. one would disagree with that. It's a great thing as well getting on the bike because you you always get the yeah no problem off off you go and then yeah. you can be out for hours. There you go. Um, but yeah, I'm keen. So go keen on. To answer you, go, you go. So headline number one: Japan take control of pool A. So Japan left it late to get the bonus point. Samoa opting for a scrum deep in their twenty-two, and the hosts grabbing a winning bonus. Some have suggested it's a bit suspicious. What do you make of it, Jed? I think it's, it's a bit tricky for me, this one, because I was on my way up to Stockport for a wedding, so I listened to the game while I was on the train. And, you know, I've obviously heard quite a bit. I don't know how suspicious it is. Uh, you know, it was like last roll of the dice for Samoa. It's pretty convenient for the, for the hosts. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think sometimes these things can go in your favour when you're, when you're at home. I don't think there's any foul play no. To you know, that you, you really need to be too worried about here, which I know that you know there was a little bit of suggestion on Twitter that that might be the case, but they definitely left it late. There's no denying that, and just getting over the line, I think there would have been a huge sense of relief. But they're in that situation where they've won three games as they did last it's massive, time round, isn't it? Which is massive. It but is last massive. time round, they became the first side to win three games and not progress past the pool stages. And that is not unthinkable that this could happen again, which is, it would be heartbreaking, I think. It as would much, be. I mean, know, as much as I love watching Scotland play, as you know, they they were so poor in that first game. There's something very, very likeable about this Japan side. To have had the upset again against Ireland and then to not go through would be would be absolutely heartbreaking. But it's in their hands. It is, yeah. I, I think it's great for the World Cup, isn't mm. it? And I really hope that they do they do make it through, and I think they will. Well, that's it. I'm uh, I'm not too sure. I've got this horrible nagging doubt, but it's a tricky one. It is. It's it's just such a, a what tough a pull to predict. Yeah, I think you know Samoa have been the the disappointment within that group. No doubt about that. I think they're capable they of a bit more than they've shown so far. Ireland, of course. Started very well and then were, were comprehensively beaten as we covered last week. I thought Japan were by far and away the better team. And yeah, Russia have have given a decent account of themselves considering they're by far and away the lowest ranked side in there. They've been, yeah, I think they've done very well. Yeah, and Scotland have been, you know, were very poor in that first game and then did what exactly what they needed to do against Samoa and they've kept they've kept themselves in that hunt. So it's, uh, it's yeah, it's going to go right down to the wire. Sure is. Okay, so question number two. Japan have got results in their three games, but have looked nervy then in two of them. Which version do you think will turn up against the Scots? Like I say, I've got a little bit of a nagging doubt, but I really hope it is the, the assured version. When they're able to take it up that level against Ireland, and they did take it up a level, That's they, look, they, they look so composed in they that did. one. They look really comfortable, didn't yeah. they? And at ease, really. Yeah, even so though yeah, it's a really hard thing to figure out because that first night, I think you could kind of say, right, there's a bit of nerves there. We got out of our system. 
we move on. And then to get that massive win over Ireland. And they did back it up against Samoa, but it, it was it sounded like a very, very cagey affair. So I don't know I don't know which one is, is the answer to that. I think if the assured one turns up, I think they'll beat Scotland. But I think if it gets nervy, Scotland will feel that they've got much more of that big match experience. And the pressure can mount on you when you're the hosts. I think we've we've said this before that in you know 2015 the pressure got to England and they did not want to go out in the pool stages in their own backyard and they did and this is such a big opportunity for uh, <laughs> you punching the air there for just thinking I wasn't going to mention that uh, <laughs> but they've got such a good opportunity to get out of the pools now that 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 will bring its own pressure with it. So do you think the pressure is slightly different though because they're. You know they're not. Um, no one's tipping them to win to win the World Cup, then, mm. are they? But no. So do you think the pressure's slightly off them that they are? No, I don't. I, I think this is their. I think this is their kind of cup final. The fact that they've they've got to this one. This was always going to be a big game. This was more than likely was always going to decide whether they got out of the group or not. But the fact is, if they go out and win the game, they top the pool, which it, it doesn't give them that much more of a favourable draw. But at the same time. It's a hell of an achievement. It is. So it's it's so so difficult. But I I think they need big performances from their big their big leaders to look really really assured. You know the the Labuschagne at seven who's been fantastic for them. Michael Leach, whether he starts or comes off the bench, will be will a huge pivotal role. He's absolutely pivotal for them, and he looks so calm and and assured. I can't remember the hooker's name, but he's a, he's a he's fine a player, player yeah. too. But I think more than anything, they need Tamura, the outside half, to have a good day with a kicking tee. If I'm honest, I don't think he's particularly prolific goal kicker, and they need him to slot those points when they're on offer next week. They can't be they can't be letting Scotland off the hook when they when they get penalties. They need to make sure that scoreboard is ticking over. And if they do that, I think they've got every chance of doing it because they've got some very some very nice moves in the back, and they've got a really mean competitive pack. Do you think they'll have the the fitness, the energy? Fitness and energy, to, I'm to not worried going. about. I think it's, I think it's a mental thing. I think they've got to take the chances when they're there. Otherwise, that will start playing on their mind. But if they do that, they've got every chance of doing it. Okay, question number three: Ireland beat Russia and are likely to make it through regardless. How do you rate their chances against South Africa or New Zealand? Good question, that Dan. It is a very good question. <laughs> well, based on what we've seen so far, I think that New Zealand and South Africa are the two best teams in the tournament. So whoever faces them is going to, or whoever faces, yeah, Ireland going to face one of one of the two, one of the two of them. They're going to have to up their game massively. So Scotland, yes, they blew them away, but we know that happens with Ireland, that if they get that front foot ball, they can just steamroll aside. What they did very poorly against Japan was they had overlaps that they didn't use particularly well and Japan's line speed was good and it counted it and they just came up against the more streetwise side really than than actually they were they were themselves which they would definitely have been disappointed about. Get the win yeah, over you Russia. Expect that, would you? No, you wouldn't. And get the win over Russia, that's great. Everyone expects it. Still all to play for, could still top the pool. So yeah, they've got to go out and, and beat Samoa. But when it comes to that quarterfinal, they're going to have to step up massively. And we know they can, seen. don't we? But we do know they can. The thing that is, goes in their favour is they've beaten New Zealand twice since the last World Cup, which is massive. Wales haven't done that. England haven't done mm. that. So 
It, I don't think England done it. They? No, they came no, very they close. They, they came very close. Yeah, I'm to the only side, and they and they've done it twice, which is amazing. And once in a, you know a neutral venue in Chicago. So that's a that will definitely be a a massive boost for them. However, their rugby World Cup record is not good. I think their recent form is not particularly impressive. You look back at the big games in the Six Nations, they came unstuck against England, they came unstuck against Wales massively. So for me, I would be looking at South Africa or New Zealand to beat Ireland because I think they're the two best teams in the tournament. Yeah, and that's where the smart money is, isn't it? But we do know that Ireland could could get a win, but everything's got to go for them. And they'd have to keep all that ball and hold, it, hold on to it well, which is... Is, does seem to be quite a challenge over there, doesn't it? Because the playing conditions are yeah. are challenging. They it kind of throws you because the weather, you know, it's dry, isn't it? Mm. But, but we know it's, it's so humid. humid. Yeah. yeah, so it's almost like playing in 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 the rain, in heavy rain. I'll give you another added complication into the mix, which I heard on the radio today, is there is a, another typhoon that could potentially hit Japan. Now this is scheduled to happen next weekend if it does hit Japan and in theory could be enough to call off the final the final round of games next weekend so that could be a very very interesting development into the mix whether that happens or not you know we'll have to keep a close eye on the the weather on the weather but <laughs> Derek the weatherman yeah but if it is if a game is called off then it's treated as a draw there's no mm. there's no you know they they will wait as long as they can on the day but there's no reschedule. You can't say, all right, we'll play it tomorrow. So actually, and you think how wide open that group is already. Yeah. It's very, very interesting. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that, how that one pans out, but it's a, yeah, it's a fascinating pool. It's been a really good pool. And I think actually this is what we want to see more of in rugby world cup, where you're looking at pools thinking who's going to get out of it. Whereas the New Zealand South Africa group is done and dusted. Which we probably will do, won't we? Because there hasn't been any, any, you know, 80, 90, 100 point wins. No, we're moving in the right direction. However, I think we've got to play the the tier two nations more often. And that's a difficult thing to do because you've got to make it work commercially. But world rugby and the major nations have just got to figure, figure a way out of doing this. But it's a little bit of turkeys voting for Christmas because, you know, if you were commercial director of the RFU, would you want to be playing, I don't know, yeah, playing... Samoa and Georgia when you could be playing Australia and New Zealand but no. that's that's there is there is a potential here for, for to, to kind of reformat those autumn games and turn them into something more meaningful that does develop those developing nations but we have not time to do that today have we so but hopefully there's been a homework for you there that's a little bit of homework for us something I'm sure we will we will revisit but let's move on to headline number two England put their place in the quarter final. Where do you want to go with this one? Let's go with. Let's go in line, yeah. Hey, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's almost like the listeners can tell that you're not reading this, Dan. It's almost <laughs> like you're coming up with it straight away off the top off the top of your head. But go on, read away. We've made it through ten minutes without talking about high tackles. I didn't even say minutes. Like, you know minutes. what I mean? I'm, just, I'm going straight off what's on there. Comma. Like, you're like Ron Burgundy. Yeah. So let's change that. <laughs> <laughs> the pronunciation on this now. Oh, this is going to be good. Lavanini. Yes. Sent off in the first half. Right, cool. 
Yeah, it was. At the time, I was I was very frustrated with it. And I think having looked back at it... I didn't know where you'd it, go with this one. Yeah, well, having looked back at it, it is a big lump. It is. But you know what? He does duck into these tackles a bit, if you ask me. Farrell takes this bit of a step where he ducks into it, but... The more I think about it, the more you just can't put yourself in that situation. If I was looking at this and that was, you know, Jake Ball doing it in a World Cup quarterfinal, you'd have to say, I don't know what I'm picking on Jake Ball here, but if it's a Wales player, for example, I'd have to look at it and say, you know what, you just got to take that out of the game. If you tackle low, there's no chance of you getting pinged for it. And if you think about the benefits of tackling high and wrapping the ball and stopping the offload and potentially looking at a choke tackle, they're all the benefits. You look at the risks. The risks are you could be down to 14 men, the game's over. Not You don't win World Cup quarterfinals and semifinals with 14 men, as we know. So that's that's what I think is going to happen. Do you so, think it's tough for them, though, in the heat of the battle? They're going in with everything, trying to stop, you know, stop ball, stop man, and these are split-second decisions. Yeah, they you, are. You, it, it, it sounds very easy, doesn't it, to say you've just got to go lower. It's really straightforward. You go low and you can't go high, but there's, I think there's got to be a bit of sympathy for the players as well, isn't there? There is, but sympathy won't get us out of the quarterfinals. You know, it won't get us into that next stage. I wouldn't be surprised, knowing what we know about Sean Edwards, if he's not doing training drills, full contact sessions, where he's then saying that was high, you'd get red for that, right, you're off. Yeah. And almost treating it like a match scenario. Just getting that into their, getting into their, into their head. So like, you've got to go low there, you've got to go low. And and it, it suits Wales to go low anyway. You think yeah. under Edwards, we've done that a lot. Obviously, most notably the in the World Cup in 2011 and Dan Lydia and everything like that. Going low tends to favour us. So I think it is something that we need to get into the, the, sort of the muscle memory and mm. the mindset because... You've got to just you've got to get used to it, haven't you? You've got to you've got to play under and under sort of intense, have the intensity high. Then when you're because quite a lot of the high tackles have come fairly early on, so when they're really heightened and mm. you think that their senses would be right, you know, right there, but you you could sort of forgive them maybe for these high tackles coming in nearer the end as they're mm. starting to wear off. But it's early on, isn't it? Almost like they're, re- they're absolutely raring to go coming in with a hit and bang. And it's having a major impact on the games, isn't it? You knew as soon as that was the end. That was the end. That was the end of the game. You just can't, he knew as soon as he went off and he's been off a few times. Yeah. Yeah. It's his second red card, I think for Argentina. But again, that, that is what, not the red card, but the aggressive nature. He's, he's one of those, what we like to call utter bastards of a, of a second row. And he's very, very effective. You know, he's mean, he smokes people at rucks. He hits them hard in defense. But in that scenario, while I do feel sympathy for him, if that's going to be the call, what I'm most worried about now as a Wales fan is we just can't make that mistake. I don't want us making that mistake. Let's not turn into the Michael Checker bitch in a moaning session. Let's make sure that we go low and we negate that and it's something that's out because that is a far bigger danger than... We know that Fiji will pose a threat with the offloads, but I think we're just going to have to defend in a way that means that we're having to take them when the ball's offloaded. And and that's going to be difficult, but... Do you think it's reflected a little bit in the squad selection so far that we've we've picked, we've picked players that blend and work together by tackling lower as opposed to higher? I think that's probably coincidental, to be honest. I don't think that's necessarily as a, as a result of the red cards we've seen. 
But the fact that there has been a lot, that would tend to play into our hands. And I don't want to tempt fate here because you know what will happen. It'll be sod's law that we'll end up getting one there. And I just hope that that's not the case. Just got to take it, do as much as we can to control it. And Do you think that's having an effect on the back row maybe with uh, Moriarty moving on to the bench? Or do you think this is just coincidental? I think, again, it's coincidence. Moriarty's form has dipped at the same time that Wainwright's has spiked massively. And... The other two in Navidi and Tipperick have been playing very, very well. So I think that's just a straightforward form selection. So, yeah, I, I, that's that's my opinion on it. And Moriarty's still got a big job to do. And he's gonna, you know, he's still going to feature heavily in this World Cup. And I would expect a big contribution from him at some stage. OK. Are the red cards ruining the game as a spectacle? Yes, I think they are. However... If we've just got if we've got to go through this to get to a position where it's a lot safer and we know the problems with concussion and some of those hits shoulders to head are very very dangerous. So while I do feel sympathy for the players and it is ruining it as a spectacle and I, to be honest I wish this had happened two years ago so we were coming into the World Cup in a position where people knew the laws and everything was being very 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 clear cut at this stage I think we just need to get to the position where hopefully all the red cards I can't someone was saying this on, on ITV today it might have been Warburton in fact that it's been happening a lot there's been a lot of red cards in the pool stages hopefully it won't continue on into the into the knockout phases because that would be that would be a real shame if we've got a mouth-watering semi-final or quarter-final that is that is dictated to by this. So I think everyone knows what the rules are. Everyone knows how people are going to officiate it. So you've got to kind of play accordingly and hopefully that'll play out that way. Yeah. The, it is fair in that the rules there for, for everyone, isn't it? Mm. So it is as long as it's refereed in the same way. If I'm honest, I think Pierce Francis is very, very lucky to have got away with a, got away with a sighting in the England USA game. I, I can't see a huge amount of difference there, to be honest. So I think he should be serving a ban too. So, yeah, look, I, I think you've just got to work on the assumption if you put in a big hit on the head, expect a red. You're gone. Unless, yeah, unless there's a massively mitigating circumstance. But if you don't make the hit there, you don't get sent off. So it's, yeah, I, I've really changed my opinion on it in the last 24 hours, to be honest. Because before I was thinking, oh, God's sake, that's another game down the drain. But really, it's. Uh, you can only control what you can control, can't you? So, okay. How would you assess Argentina at the Rugby World Cup this time round? Poor. So they they switched off. They they didn't come out of the blocks against France. To be expected. Them. No, I was expecting more. I think that I thought they'd be able to recapture a bit of that Jaguares form, rather than the somewhat static, stagnant displays we saw from Argentina certainly when we were over there and Ledesma playing a bigger role in the coaching mm. setup than he was then so I was expecting to see a bit more to be honest and they were very poor in that first half against France and it cost them I know they got right back into the game but ultimately they lost it and from there it was going to be tough to beat England with 15 men they certainly weren't going to do it with 14 and I think they knew that and they to be honest I don't think they particularly turned up so it's poor for them when you consider their recent record of semi-final last time out, semi-final. They love a in, World Cup, don't they? Semi-final in 07. You know, they are not 
they're not the also rans that they were when Rugby World Cup started. They're serious, serious players. So they they'll be disappointed with that. They're bringing the jersey at the moment, aren't they? But nothing more than that. Yeah, that, I mean that's the sadly that's the most stylish thing about them. It's a jersey. It is lovely jersey, particularly with there being no sponsorship on it whatsoever. It just looks particularly clean and crisp. So that's a very strong, a very strong effort there. But yeah, what they what they have in sartorial elegance, they don't have on the pitch right now. So yeah, I've been disappointed with them. They've been good in in little patches. The first ten minutes against England, they look like they had intent. The last, yeah, the second half against France, they look good. I wasn't hugely convinced with them against Tonga either. I thought there was a there was a questionable call at half time during that game. As uh, again, I can't remember if that was if that was was one of the second rows. It was either Lavanini or Petty. I think was shoulder barge one of the Tongans out into touch and got away with one there, in my opinion. So I've not been overly convinced with them. It's back to the drawing board for them and start work again for four years time. Let's move on to England then. Mm. Yeah. What do you think about England? How far do you think they can go? They have not been tested at all yet. And I don't know whether that is a good thing or a bad thing. They looked, there were certain points yesterday in the second half, they looked very impressive and Ford put in some fantastic kicks. There was one stage, yeah, there was that one where it reminded me of when Henson had that magnificent game against England in 05 and he was putting in these outrageous kicks that you thought, oh, he's overcooked that and then it lands perfectly just before the line. He was impressive. He was impressive, but I still think he's a front foot player, so they have to get that front foot ball and they've had it convincingly so far. So I don't know whether... The thing that gives me hope if we were to play England or, look, let's be frank, if anyone plays England, it gives me hope if they beat them. The thing that gives me hope that they they can get beaten is that we saw it when Wales played them in Six Nations. That if you can get to them at the breakdown and they get they don't get the front foot ball, you've got to match them physically, haven't you? You've got to match them physically, but you've got to sl- you really got to slow them down. And if they get a quick ball, again, they're a bit like Ireland. They get a quick ball, they yeah. can they can score tries. They've got loads of bags of pace in that back three, and they've got Tuolangi fit and firing and running over people. So. Look, they definitely cause a threat, but I'm not sold on the halfback combination, if I'm honest. I've, I've never been a massive fan of Ben Young's, and I wasn't. I, I know he scored a try yesterday, but again, his box kicking looked a bit aimless for me at times. Service a bit slow. I was listening to to Five Live after the game, and someone had someone had tweeted them in and said something along the same lines of that. And Matt Dawson just completely dismissed it. Said, "Oh, what game were you watching?" Well, actually, what game were you watching, Matt Dawson? Because do you know what? He wasn't particularly impressive yesterday. It's this kind of classic. Oh, I'm a player and I played there, so I'm the only one entitled to an opinion. And yeah, you know, Matt Dawson was a world class number nine, but that doesn't mean he's, he's right on this one. So I think it was a classic case of ex player dismisses fan opinion. Because to be honest, that's that was that was exactly the way I thought that game. I thought first half he was very, very poor. So that's the he to me, he's the he's the weak link. That's not to say that he's not he's got so much experience, 90 odd caps at international level for England. There's gonna be something about him and but for me that's that's the area where I think that I think that well, you've said the size can get to them. You at nine. Mm. They haven't got a strong enough nine to to win the World Cup. I don't think so. I don't think so. And I think if it starts to struggle, 
you know, if you don't get that quick service from him and his box kicking's awry, that puts more fa- pressure on Ford. And then I think that they start thinking, ah, let's get Farrell in at 10. And I can see that happening. I'm not quite sold on this, you know, George Ford is the ultimate all-round 10 yet. I think he's great and he's very inventive on front foot ball. But when the going gets tough, you would trust a Dan Bigger to do a job with, with slow ball. You would trust even maybe Johnny Sexton... Uh, you know, when, when Sexton and Murray are playing their best, that kicking game can sometimes keep them in games where they don't get as much as much quick ball. George Ford, I don't know. I would, I would rather, if I were coaching England and the ball wasn't coming quickly, I'd feel more concerned about Ford at 10 than Farron. Okay, I was just going to say, what do you think about Ford at 10 mm. dropping Farrell? And using one of their many centres they've got. No, I, I personally, I think I know he had a bad game with the boot. Farrell did in terms of his goal kicking, and to be honest, I'd have taken it again if I was captain of that side. Yeah, no, give it to give it to Ford or Daly. You, you're having an off day. Give it to someone else, because really they should have been out of sight a lot earlier than they were. But he had a, he had a stinker from the tee, which you don't expect. But putting that to one side, I still think for I still think that. Farrell's their best 10 in my opinion so for me I'd, I'd have him and then I'd have Ford coming on as and when things open up a 15 do you think there's a weakness there as well I'm not in the big big I games. really like Daly but I think he's a winger but he can look he can look great can't he yeah in certain games he can and then he can people can really teams can really target him yeah my thought on it I, I agree and he's a fine player and I'm a big fan of his but I, a very again player. if I was selecting that side he wouldn't be considered as a 15 he would be a winger you'd target him wouldn't you you would and I would I would consider Watson or even Noel to be more of an accomplished 15 potentially so yeah there, there is a, there is potentially a bit of a weakness there however you kick loosely to him and he's got a siege gun boot himself and he runs great lines and he's a very very good footballer and he's got bags of pace so You've got to get it right. So from what I've seen from them, they haven't been tested. It'll be interesting to see what happens when they haven't got front foot ball. However, they've been impressive. So I, I think they're I think they're on for a semi-final. And then after that, who knows? Okay, well, let's go one step back then. How do you think they'd fare up in the quarters mm. if they face Australia? Uh, I think they've got the wood on Australia, to be honest. That'd I be know- a cracking game. Yeah, it will be. And I know Australia got the better of them in the last World Cup. However, England in recent, you know, in under Eddie Jones have not struggled against Australia, really. I think Czech is feeling the pressure. All of this mouthing off to the referee and all that kind of stuff, I think, is a, is a sign that the pressure is getting to him. So, Jim, that could... That could make them super dangerous, though, in that, that quarter. You, they love a competition, don't it's they? It's true. I, I think the best hope they've got is that England haven't been tested yet. I don't think England will be tested next week against France. So I think England might come into it and potentially just get caught a little bit cold yeah. because we know how dangerous those Aussie backs are. I think that's a big point, that they're not going to have that sharpness mm. of playing a really tough game. Like our game against Australia yeah. was... That's right up there, isn't it? Yeah, it's it is. very, very tough, and we just managed to hang on. They haven't had that yet. So no, they haven't. They'll be coming in 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 pretty good shape. I think so. So that I think would be the biggest danger. But I'm not sure Checker knows his best lineup. I think there's worries about their halfbacks in particular. Genia, I think, is still their best option at nine, in my opinion. But his form has been up and down. 
and then 10 as to who their best 10 is. Yeah, they've really I don't think I'm checking those any more than I do. They, they've played so so far in this tournament. They've played Leo Lafano there. They've played Tamua there in the second half against Wales. They played what's his name, Bernard Foley there. I, I don't think he, I don't think he particularly knows who is who his best ten is. So that that would be the concern for me. Yeah, you know, I, I, you could flip that on his head and say that they've they're a difficult side to maybe work out because mm. of the fact that he, he's throwing in. One of three tens, and then the, yeah. the nine he's chopped and changed, and but the, but the, we know that they can turn the game around, yeah. Depending on if it's going mm. going away from them, and yeah, so I think that's a mouth watering game that one. It is, uh, yeah. I hope it works out that way, and we don't have any slip ups. But yeah, I could see that being the quarter final, and that is a really really interesting one. But for me, I think England will have too much. I just wonder whether that game against Wales has taken it out of. Australia and there's a few selection dilemmas for him to get right so at the moment that's what I think but obviously I hope I'm wrong yeah right let's do headline three before we head to a quick break so France making very hard work of beating Tonga let me ask you this one Dan so Tonga are out now but France gave themselves you know an almighty scare really they remain undefeated and the rumours coming out of Japan suggest that they may be going with a second string selection for the England game. Do you think that's a wise move? No, I wouldn't go with a second string. Mm -hmm. I think they need to play pretty much their strongest side, maybe resting one or two. But they haven't looked convincing. I think they need to they need to build, work on their confidence. Yeah actually work on patterns of play because it's been so disjointed you could say it's, a, it's been a bit shambolic at times as mm. well and if they're going to if they're going to win the World Cup which every side wants to do yeah they need to they need to keep a team together some of the sides could afford to rest more players than France could I don't think they've got the luxury to do that mm. what do you think? I, I just think it's a really bad position to go into where you're saying well, we'd rather send out a second team and finish second in the group and play Wales because we don't back ourselves to go out there and beat Australia. You know, if you beat England, you should back yourself to go and beat whoever you're playing in the next round. I just think confidence builds confidence. If you're going into a game thinking, oh, we'd rather avoid that. I, I don't think you can think that way. You know, if, if it was the other way around and let's say, you know, Wales were coming to the end and there was a chance of avoiding England because France had, you know... Snuck a result against them. I still be saying no. Get out there and top the pool. If you if you top the pool, you back yourself to go and back it up in the quarterfinals. And if you don't, then that's that's where there's a that's where there's a bit of a problem. But it's um, yeah, it doesn't make much sense to me. And I've not been mightily impressed with what I've seen from France. It's the usual cliches. They they play some nice stuff, but they take their eye off the ball, and their fitness has been found wanting at stages. So. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't if I was in charge of there be uh, be putting out a second string. All right, so um, who do you think is calling the shots then in the uh, in the dressing room? I think it's Galtier, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. This whole Jack Brunel coming in, it, he looks every inch the caretaker coach. If I'm honest, he's very experienced. But prior to this, his international job was coaching Italy, right? I don't know, I might have missed something in between then, but he spent a fair amount of time coaching Italy. 
I'm not sure that's the calibre that's going to be able to get hold of that dressing room straight away. Galtier is the next coach. He's going to be the, the incoming coach. And from everything I've heard about him as a player and a personality, he manages sides or coaches them exactly the way that he plays. He's the boss. He's the the petty general. He likes. He's the one who likes to to kind of make all the noise and let everyone know who's boss. So I would be very surprised if he's playing second fiddle to Jacques Brunel. So as has often happened with France at the World Cups, they're in this scenario where they've not necessarily got full confidence in their coach as happened in 2011. I think a bit of it happened in 2015 too, which some might say makes them dangerous. For me, I think... If we were to face, yeah, we'll, we'll come on it's, to who we might face later. But. It has worked out in their favour, though, hasn't it? Before they, you know, they're winning at the end of the day, aren't they? At the moment, it worked out in their favour in 2011 because they faced the Wales side who lost their captain and most influential player after 10 minutes. They lost that all after 17 minutes. They lost Adam Jones, who was winning penalties for fun at scrum through injury. And we see, we despite playing very well with 14 men, we seized up and we didn't take our opportunities. We missed conversions, missed drop goals, missed penalties. And that's why they got away with it so we lost in that it. World Cup. Rather we lost it won. rather than they won it, I think. And that's against a 14-men side. So, yes, I know that's the case there. But if you would... I know it can happen that the players rule the dressing room and they go out and get a result, as that example showed. And also England, four years prior to that, same thing happened in that dressing room where I believe it was a core group of the senior players, Delalio and the likes, who were who were calling the shots in there rather than Brian Ashton and they made it to the final. But given the choice of having a settled side and a settled coach versus hoping that something happens because of a, a revolution of the players, I'd much rather have the stability. Okay, but can you ever write off the French? I think you can, but I wouldn't be writing this side off just yet purely because some of those young players have got a massive amount of talent and it could just be that there is, you know, Damien Penault runs Riot or Intermac has a the game of his life and they've still got a lot of beef in the pack. But I've not been massively impressed with what I've seen so far and they weren't particularly good in the Six Nations either. So I think they're going to be one to watch, but I think it's going to be one to watch in four years' time. I'm that rebuilding. I'm phase. confident they won't win it, Okay, is what I would say. Look, we're going to end that there, Dan. And we'll be talking about Wales in the second half of the show. That's amazing. We've gone basically half an hour without talking about Wales, really, which must be a first for this podcast. Too long. Too long. So we're going to rectify that in the second half of the show. We'll be selecting our side for the Fiji game and we will be taking listeners' questions too. So don't go anywhere. I'm Ben John and you're listening to the Attacking Scrum podcast. Welcome back to the Attacking Scrum Rugby World Cup episode. Still got two headlines to go. Headline number four, Dan, South Africa Hammer Italy. This took place Friday, I think. South Africa looks, looks like they're going to secure that second place. Swept Italy aside. They're still, despite that defeat to the All Blacks, they're still very much a side to watch, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're going <clears> to... <throat> they're a very tricky side to beat, aren't they? They've got a power game mm. and they've also got skillful skillful players in there as well so they're kind of they're like the complete side really mm. aren't they um, I think they're going to go very very well 
and you tipped them, haven't you? Before we've even yeah, I, I still as a lot of people have really. I still would not write them off meeting the All Blacks in the final and and turning that result around. And they're they're just a very very good outfit. the The players that they've got in that side are, are fantastic. You know what the South African mentality is like. They are they're so so competitive as a nation and. That's always shown on the rugby pitch. But now they've got this set of players, I think that they've still got every chance of doing it. We said beforehand how important Andre Pollard is going to be. I think Faf de Klerk in that same bracket. Dialende inside centre, I think, has been fantastic. They've got, you know, and, and Colby going off injured will be a bit of a worry. They'll be they'll be watching that. But, you know, you call you call this a, a year or so ago. He is an absolute magician. He is a lovely guy to watch. so much fun to watch. And that's before we even talk about the pack and... Peter Steff de Toit and uh, huge man. Kitsoff, who's an absolute beast. They're the beast, in fact, still in still in that squad. And then you've just got, you know, they could feel the whole side of second rows if they want to, and they'd probably complete, compete. So they're a fantastic side in terms of players. I think that Razi Erasmus is a really world-class coach. So don't certainly don't write them off. I'm predicting them still to make the final. So predicting them to win it. Yeah, go on, why not? Yeah, okay. Yeah, why not? Anything could happen. Could, could be a red card to New Zealand, if you can imagine such a thing. Does happen. Surely not. And talking of red cards... It'd be a yellow, anyway, even if it was a red. <laughs> yeah. But talking of red cards, or red cards singular, there was another one shown in the Italy game. Have you seen this? I have. I Should have. it have been two red cards? It's not a laughing matter. No, should it have been two red cards? Yeah. I think it was two reds. Seems... Strange to say it, but could it, I don't, I'm not sure how it could have been anything other than two reds, really. Yeah, I, I think so. I thought Wayne Barnes had a great game, actually. However, I think... He's been he, reffing very well. He has been reffing very well. However, I think that one, he bottled it because it's almost unheard of to send off two players. And But for me, they both lifted him up and dropped him on his head. So, yeah, nobody pulled out or looked to sort or, of hold or on to, stabilize to, him. Hold on yeah. to him and... and they both sort of went down with power, didn't they? And yeah. drove drove him into the floor. It yeah. could have been really nasty. Oh, it could have been for a minute really there. Nasty. I thought, oh, this is this is going to be bad. And yeah, you know, if two reds had been given, I don't think there would have been any complaints. No, I and don't. So for me, that's that's the that's the right call. Yeah, uh, we've watched it back quite a few times. Well, I know I have. You mm. you must have. I think I think everyone has. Yeah, if you watch that once, you're going to watch it four times, mm. and it's hor- horrible to watch. It is. Could have been so much worse. And putting aside the safety, which is the main issue, from Italy's perspective, it was just so brainless because they just got themselves back into the game. It was a fantastic break by your mate, Abraham Stern. That's it. What a name. <laughs> it's not his name. Uh, so yeah, Bramstein making a great a great break against, his, uh, against the country of his birth. And they're in there. They've got a penalty advantage coming. And to do something as brainless as that, the coach just... Literally hitting his head against the uh, yeah against his folder there, absolute madness, wasn't it? It was madness. And what was going through the heads? I don't know. Just yeah, must have been just a complete rush of blood to the head. I know they were they were looking for quick ball because they. I know they had the advantage, but they wanted to the try. They had that momentum, 
and Vermeulen had got over the ball and I think it's just for pure frustration I think it's pure frustration but you can't that's the that's the difference between winning and losing big games is you make an error like that and they're down to 14 and should have been down to 13 so that's what this World Cup is probably going to come down to isn't it discipline well do, yeah. you know, those discipline sides will win it I mean maybe that's an obvious thing to say and there's always been there but certainly now Mentioned the coach there. It's essentially the end of the line for Conor O'Shea. Will he be disappointed as his... I know they've got they've got playing New Zealand next, but presuming they won't get anything out of that. Will he be disappointed with his tenure as a two coach? I think he will be a little bit disappointed. I think he would have expected a bit more from, from himself. And yes. I was certainly thinking there was going to be a bit more to come. It's a tough role for him. Oh, it is. Everyone yeah. kind of recognises that. But I was expecting a, a bit more, yeah. I think he's put a lot in in terms of the the foundations mm. and worked quite hard on the club scene and that's sort of pyramid. But in terms of results and performances, I think he um, he would be hoping for more. Yeah, I agree. And it's interesting there because I think he has had a very positive impact. Like you say, at the club, I know he's been very hands on in the the club game and making those two sides much more competitive and particularly Benetton have definitely done that which of course should benefit the, mm. the national side but it hasn't worked out that way they've no. not made an impact in the Six Nations under him they did beat the Springboks in 2016 but that's a vastly different Springbok side to the one that we see now and it's been another poor showing really at the World Cup hell of a hard pull but you've seen what Japan have been able to do and build and consolidate on their last four years and Italy haven't been able to do that and that's what you want to see is them being able to to go out there and think do you know what we could cause an upset we could beat South Africa and it never looked likely in that game particularly when they went down to to 14 so yeah I think it's it's a bit of a sad end he remains a great you know I know we use the word great too much but I, I think he's a fine coach and I certainly wouldn't be writing him off but I think he'll be a bit disappointed in in his tenure as the, the national coach very very quickly on New Zealand so they're uh, essentially their second 15 put the boot into Namibia particularly in the second half it was just you know fairly spirited battle from Namibia up to that point do they remain red hot favourites though in your eyes you've, you've heard what I've got to say about it but what about you for me they're favourites yeah I think they look they look very sharp don't they they're mm. dangerous very extremely disciplined yeah and they're going to be in the final it's a given, I think, really. And f- at the moment, I can't see I can't see anyone beating them as it stands at the mm. moment. So yeah, I, I tip them f- to, to to win it at, at the moment. Fair enough. Headline number five: Wales get ready to take on Fiji. Here we go. How much do you think that ten day break will affect them, either for good or bad? Dan, that'd be a good thing. I think. Do you think? Yeah, good thing. They'll be ready for the game come Wednesday. Um, and have a nice bit of time off and then coming in strong into that game on Wednesday do you think it's too long then do you? just trying to play devil's advocate a little bit really the only thing you could say is that we know Wales are slow starters but I think this is more you know when you have the rest week in the Six Nations and then you come back so I would be like, I'd rather this than a short turnaround against Fiji you look four years ago we played them four days after that epic game against England and if we had to do that this time round it would be a hell of a tough task I think we were not fortunate but it was in 2015 the game was in Cardiff and it was a hell of a battle and we got through it and 
you know, that was great. But for this one, I, I'd much rather that we we had this, that six-day turnaround from Georgia to Oz, got the result against Oz, good break for the lads, hard hard training in the last few days, then into this into this game, ready to go out and do a very, very professional job against Fiji. That's yeah. that's the way it's got to be. Again, against Fiji, we need our energy levels to be really high. Mm. So if oh, of course you do. Ball, you know, ball in play, we're going to have to keep hold of the ball. And in terms of how accurate we are, yeah. we're going to need that to be absolutely spot on as well. So the the gap, I think we've given ourselves a really good opportunity of yeah. to be to bring a good a good tempo and to keep hold of the ball. And when you know to bring a, a really cute kicking game, which a lot of that's going to come down to concentration and making sure that everyone's on the same wavelength. Yeah. So there's some preparation time involved in that as well. So hopefully it should work in our favour. Yeah, I but think there's that nagging, there's that there's something there, isn't mm. there? Because it's Fiji, you think shit. I, yeah, I but I know, I know a lot of people feel this way. I don't, I don't want to tempt fate here, but we, we feel that way because of what happened in 2007. In 2007. And this is a very, very different side. We've got better players than we did there. I know we had some wonderful players in that side. You know, Shane Williams, is, you know, we're lucky if we ever see the likes of that again. But as a team, we've got better players, better squad depth, a better team and a better coach than then. Four years later, we put 60-odd points on them at the World Cup. We beat them in tough circumstances in 2015. Our record against them is good in big games. They've lost to Uruguay in this tournament. Can't write them off. Usual cliches apply, but if we're serious about winning this tournament, we just have to go out and do a professional job against Fiji. Yeah, totally agree. I feel like we'll we'll, we'll win. There's always going to be that little element with them because they've got they they've got pull, class they can, acts, they can yeah. pull stuff out of the bag for and, and the strike runners they've got they can cause cause damage but I think we're just hopefully going to be too organised too disciplined and we'll go out there and do a job it's interesting to talk about the accuracy and keeping the ball in play because we know Wales like to keep the ball in play and back their fitness but when you kick a lot of ball away to Fiji that can play into their hands a bit do you think the game plan might alter a bit from that I think we, we need for me I would say we need to keep hold of the ball mm. and frustrate them get them to give away pens they're not they're not a disciplined side no. You've got to sort of frustrate them. They want that ball. They want to be throwing it around. Let's just not give it to them. But there is a real opportunity on the with the kicking as well. So if, for me, if Big is playing 10, obviously probably come on to this and well. squad selection, but he's he can put the ball exactly where we need it to be. And in, in terms of if that's in someone's hand, one of the winger's hands mm. or his own hands. So the kicking game, if we're going to kick it, it's got to be spot on and accurate and... They, we can move around their back three because they get sucked in and drawn into yeah. different plays because, again, they start thinking they're going to do something magical. And so, tactically, if we're, if we're on point, we could cause them real trouble. How much of a threat do you think they are? They are? I mean, I've said there that lost to Uruguay. They gave Australia a good scare in the first half in particular. So how do you assess how dangerous this Fiji outfit is? They're dangerous if you allow them to be dangerous and you kick loosely. And the games that they've looked good so far have been from poor kicking. Mm. So really loose kicking. You give them a ball and they'll they'll they're they're in their element then, aren't they? They'll run it back and they're gonna cause some serious damage with the guys they've got. So you just can't, we just cannot afford to do any loose kicking, which that's hard to do, isn't it? Mm. There's there's a good number of loose kicks in most games now. And we can't do that, so 
do, do we then hold on to the ball? Do we hold on to it? Oh, we, we've only got to kick it away when it's when it's going to go exactly where we want it to go. The other thing I was that's impre- not easy. Yeah, the other thing I was impressed with them against Australia was they look very dangerous at the breakdown. Now that might have been a one-off game. I think it was Ben O'Keefe ref that, and I think he had a stinker generally in terms of how the breakdown was policed, and it could just be a, a one-off in that regard. But it could be an area where they're a real threat. Yeah, that was huge. That was really surprising, wasn't it? We, no, we wouldn't, you wouldn't have called that. No, because they they won, they won so many turnovers. Yeah, loads. They were then impacted, weren't they, by their their main back row guy going off. Yeah. But I remember you calling that at the time, and and I was hugely surprised mm. by that. And I didn't think that was going to happen. But it hasn't happened massively since that game. No, it hasn't. And but, the interesting the interesting thing is that. That was the, whatever that was, the Saturday on the Wales, Wales played on the Monday and we didn't look particularly good at clearing Georgia out of the rucks. And then when it came to the big game against Australia, where they've got those twin th- threats of Pocock and Hooper in particular, we did a great it, job it was of there, clearing them out. And so you've got, you've got to go out. We won the breakdown. Yeah, we won the breakdown. Against and if you can do that against that back row, you've got to then go out and, and back yourself to do it against Fiji. So it's interesting, say, keeping hold of the ball. I wonder whether there's an argument for a bit more of that game plan that we did against England and the Six Nations. Pick and go, pick and go, pick and go. And then, you know, wait until there's a, a bit more space and yeah. either kick into it or go wide and, and just see or you pick off the penalties at the breakdown. But yeah, we'll we'll see. But it's, you know, they're, they're a threat for sure. Yeah, I'm expecting I'm expecting some very clever kicks yeah. from mentioned it already but bigger at mm. 10 out to the wings also over the top as well yeah and I think we'll get some good change from that alright just quickly rounding up the rest of that pool Australia beat Uruguay we touched on it so far I'd be keen to get your opinion on Oz what have you made of them in Rugby World Cup so far it's a real mixed bag from them isn't it I they're just one of those sides that you can never write off and I still wouldn't write them off for, no. from the World Cup at all they're when they get front football they're so dangerous mm. and you look at the bench and the players they can bring on I've still got I've still got a feeling that they're going to be a real handful and when we spoke last I kind of backed England to that England would fancy would fancy Australia yeah I've I've gone. I'm going to go back on that now, and I actually think that I fancy Australia to do a to do a job on them. I just think they're in this really, they're kind of like a dangerous side at the moment because they're wounded. Checkers feeling and he's mm. hurting, and I think the players will be as well. You think um, they've got a big performance in them? Then they've got a performance in them. We haven't seen the complete performance. We've seen you know 20 minute spells, uh, a half. Then they've sort of dropped off. They haven't brought the game that we all thought they're gonna they're gonna bring, and that they are capable of. There's no doubt they're capable of, of bringing it. And a lot of that's probably going to come down to selection, and it's probably going to come down to checker. Can he make those right calls in the big games? Like we know, Gatlin gets his selection yeah. right more often than not. Can checker do that? If he does, I think they're going to be a real threat. Interesting. Still. And talking of selection, we'll be picking our Wales side very very shortly. But first. We've got some listeners' questions. First up, Gareth Vaughan-Jones, good friend of the show, been on a number of times. Uh, obviously, he does a lot of uh, 
got a ref in down at, at London Welsh, but he's not asking us about refereeing. He says, who would be our preference for the quarterfinal? Also says, should we be mindful of Fiji? I think we've kind of covered that one. But who would be your preference for the quarterfinal? Well, France. We've got to, we've got to want to face France. Mm. We're, at, we're the complete complete opposite to the way in which they play. We're disciplined. We're structured. They're, they're anything, but mm. they're ill-disciplined. It's a good fit for us, isn't it? Yes, there's the French threat, which we always talk about, even though they've been particularly poor for yeah. years now. But we still roll out that line, don't we, that on their day they can beat anybody, but we've got to back ourselves against them. Yeah, I agree. I think France is the France is the ideal quarterfinal for us. I mean, look, like like we said, get the job done against Fiji first. Uruguay should take care of itself. They've you know they've, yeah. they've given a good account of themselves, but they'll be very tired at the end of this, and we should be able to go out and, and, and do a job on them, get the Fiji job done, and then when you look ahead to a quarterfinal, you've just got to make sure that that you turn up on that day and and really give the best possible account of yourself. France, we've got our recent record against France is great. You know, since that World Cup Super semi-final strong. defeat, we've I don't know, I'm trying to think we beat them in 2012. Can't remember us losing. 13, I think. Well, yeah, 13 we beat them in the Six Nations. 14, I think we beat them on a Friday night or something. 15. Can't remember. I think yeah, 15 we beat them. 16, I think we beat them. 17 we lost that was that mad game where the scrums went on for like 200 minutes at the oh, end yeah. uh, odd game that was it was a very odd game and then I think we've beaten them 18 and 19 as well so we, I know they gave us a hell of a fright with that first half and then they imploded against against us in the Six Nations but that's what I think they're capable of they're capable of of just throwing things away whereas England if, if we'd have given England that lead we wouldn't have come back from it so while I think we're capable of beating England France, we should be more, you know, way more often than not. So, yeah, I, I think France would have to be the pick there. Another Gareth, this is Gareth Hughes. We're spending an awful lot of time talking about high tackles, yeah, aren't we? Uh, but also missing, referees missing a lot of offside and coming in at the side. England were very guilty of this in the first quarter. Refereeing needs to be, in inverted commas, wider. What are the touch judges concentrating on? I think that's a really good point, actually. I think we touched on it last yeah, week. Good point. Like, I think that's the touch judges should be there just straight away in the ref's ear going, yeah, offside. Because I think there's loads being missed there. That way it frees up, it frees up more time for the ref to actually police the breakdown. Especially when we're looking at... We're given reds for... Yeah. Essentially, to make the game safer. And we're not making the game any safer at all, are we, with letting players coming in from the side? No, and coming in from the side is one thing. Flying in off your feet is another. And They're horrible to watch. They are horrible to watch. And you do see people get away with it a lot. And certain refs let people are more lenient with people there. And that is definitely an area I'd like to see things clamp down on. And likewise the, off, likewise the offsides. The thing with offside is I think you can counter it if you're you know, if you're playing against it, I think you, and the ref's not giving it, we're going to have to adapt and go, right, okay, this is where the little chip over the top comes into play. And you almost treat it like a blitz defence and say, we need to counter the fact that they're always offside by putting little dinks in over the top so we can we can kind of benefit from it. But I agree, I, I would like to see the touch judges doing more. It's not good though, is it, the offside? Because yeah, no. you, 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 you have to negate it, don't you? 
yourself. So you've yeah. got to you've got to do something to to actually challenge it. But it doesn't. It's not fair, is it? No, it's not. And we've seen quite a lot of it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like more yeah. more than I I thought we would have seen. It's kind of like it's been left. Yeah, and, so, and ignored. so I do hope that just, point. that gets clamped down on. And as I say, the uh, the touch judges for me are, are absolutely crucial in that, and refereeing as a unit rather than just the one referee yeah, on the pitch. Yeah, they've got to help the ref Yeah, definitely. Pete Harris tweeted us in, who would you play at 10, presuming bigger is fit? Well, i tell you what, Pete, seeing as we've answered that, we'll go you one better and pick the entire side. So we do this as a combined effort. Front row, Daniel. You take the front row. I'm going unchanged. Win Jones, Ken Owens, Tom Francis. Any close calls or just... No, I think no. we need to have a strong scrummaging performance. They're not renowned scrummagers, the Fijians. So if there it's is got an better, opportunity... Though, it, it has got scrum. better, definitely. But if there is an opportunity to get some penalties, then I think you've, you've just got to pick the, the strongest front row to do that. And I would supplement it with an unchanged second row, which I think we don't really have a choice in anyway. So... Yes, I would. I would have an unchanged type five there. Any thoughts, disagreements with that? No, happy with that. Okay, do you want to take the back row? Yeah, back row. Keep it. Keep it the same, same again. I agree. I'm loving loving the balance there. They've had a good Just break. Another game. They've had a good break. Keep the momentum. Wainwright, Tipperick, Navidi. Can't see any of those three wanting to miss out. No, I can't. For that, play them. Get them out there. Get it done. Halfbacks. Halfbacks, I would rest Gareth. Would you? Yeah, I would. I wouldn't. Oh, okay. Again, I'd... 10 days rest. I think getting those opportunities, he is such a threat with those intercepts at the moment that I think that helps to negate Fiji trying to play quick ball. So, I mean, they might <laughs> they might just play on the way they, they do regardless. But if he's up there, especially as we've said, you know, causing trouble as he does I think that's he's that's, causing a lot of trouble he's causing a lot of trouble it won't happen we'll pick we'll pick Gareth Roy. I think well, that's I, it yeah I mean I would I'd be personally. mighty surprised but um, yeah I would like I would like to see Thomas at night okay for this game fair enough I mean yeah I you know, personally I'll be going for Gareth Davis but we'll we'll see what what were you doing on that you're the you're the backs coach so we'll give you Thomas Williams there partnering with him Daniel Bigger okay Daniel Bigger uh, again is that just the reasons that, that we've said before you need an accurate kicking game it's the it's the control it's the defence as well mm. they will come down and they'll send send a few players down the yeah the big carry down the middle. Like get Randrada off his wing and Randrada even and, and he is oh, frightening he's a hard man to bring down so, yeah I'd probably be going bigger but, the same that was the only the only call I was tempted with was thinking do we give while Patchell's had a good game do we try and build on it if we're saying he's good enough to play test match level get him out there and almost complimenting what you were saying by way of keeping the ball in hand is it better to have more of a running 10 like Patchell to be able to to do that but I think I probably would go it's because of the the way in which we've got to be so accurate with everything we do Mm. and for that for me I'd go with bigger and I am expecting so I said on one hand we want to keep hold of this ball, but I am expecting bigger to put in a big kicking performance, yeah. and I think we'll get some good tries from it. Centers, centers. I would bring in Watkin four and rest Hadley. Okay. I would rest Hadley. Yeah, 
Okay. I I don't think I would. I think I'd leave it the same. Are you not tempted? Not really. I think just get out. I, you know, well, he's not... got to be good enough, though, isn't he? He's got to be. Even though this is a big mm. game, but I think we need to make a change in the centres for this. I don't know whether we will. Why do we need to make a change? Well, Hadley's got a stress fracture. Yeah, and I think he's played exceptionally well. I would say he could probably do with a bit more time off okay. to rest that. And mm. Watkin played brilliantly when he came on. I want to see him start. I okay. see how he fares up in a start because it's very, very different starting to coming on. It is, but can you do that in a pool game where you just need to get the result done? Can you afford to experiment too much? I would say we can there okay. at the moment with, with Watkin and what he does. All right. And then back three? The biggest call at back three is the fullback, I think. Yeah, this would be a change I'd make. I would rest Liam and have him on the bench and I would start with half penny. I would as well. Just as a solid defence. Where you've got an opportunity to rest someone who is proven to deliver at the highest level, I think that's a, that's a great opportunity. Rather than just having half penny out there carrying tackle bags, he can make a big contribution to this game. So I'd have him in for this game with North and Adams. I also think positionally mm. because they if we do have a few loose kicks which hopefully there isn't but there's more than likely going to be a couple his positional play could actually maybe stop a number of tries yeah. and those last ditch tackles that he gives obviously Liam's not going to miss them but yeah. his his out his main strength half penny is position isn't it fair shout all right and then just very very quickly on the bench so presumably Elliot D as hooker definitely then we'll have the props of Nicky Smith yeah. and Dylan it's Lewis. nice when they come on isn't yeah. it I think they'll make a big impact mm-hmm. in this particular game second row I presumably still Shingler is the next cab off the rank until Beard I, I believe Beard isn't going to be fit until the Uruguay game or ready until the Uruguay game so Shingler rather than Bradley Davis I'd go Bradley in would this. you because if Beard doesn't doesn't pull through mm. Bradley let's get him involved ok alright do you think make it, make it a big change I'd probably just stick with Shingler I think but um, you know, you're making the big calls tonight back row cover Moriarty definitely Moriarty and then yeah. if we're saying you're starting Thomas Williams then Gareth Davis on the bench yeah 10 will be Patchell and then who do you go for Parks or Liam Williams on the bench I think you've got to go Liam haven't you you probably have yeah yeah I can't see Strong Parks bench. being a particularly impactful player off the bench I think he kind of adds much more when he starts so alright so there we go so North covers North covers North centre yeah. Liam comes on yeah, yeah like it wonderful stuff well that brings us to a conclusion for another week we haven't had time to run through the, the Pro 14 which is which is annoying just very very quickly on that so Scarlet's got off to a good start they've made it two from two Brad Moore seems to be having a good impact there Dragons as we said first away win in four and a half years, it's Come good. On the dragon. It's good to get the monkey off the back, but at the same time, there's there's going to be stiffer tests await than than zebra when all the uh, all the internationals are away. But nonetheless, it's good to get that result. Cardiff lost to Edinburgh. They'll be disappointed with that frustrating defeat uh, at home there. And Darth Yellow card for that, that. I think so. So yeah, they'll be disappointed with that result. And uh, yeah, the less said about the Ospreys getting hammered by Leinster, the better. But Tough it shows that. that it shows that that gulf in depth doesn't it but uh, yeah that's uh, yeah a horrible 
one for the horrible one for the Ospreys. And yeah, I don't know if you noticed this, but we've been changing the artwork on the podcast every week. So we've been dedicating it to classic rugby shirts of years gone by. So there's been Wales shirts on there. There's been some club shirts, some amateur shirts on there. But if you've got a shirt that you would like us to feature on there, send us a picture of it and we'll uh, we'll have a stab at that to uh, yeah to, to mix it up even more. Uh, final thanks to our sponsors at So Coffee. Make sure you get your hands on some at socoffeetrades.co.uk and we'll be back to talk rugby with you very, very soon. Podcast Network.